And what I'll tell my people all the time is I'll say, you will have an opportunity to impact people I'll never meet. You know things I'll never know. I would be a terrible engineer. I would be a terrible accountant. I mean, I would be terrible at that. So I tell them, God has put you where he's put you for a reason, to be his voice, to be his ambassador. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So God put you there. He gave you that gift intentionally to bring flourishing, to bring reconciliation, but then also to bring a kingdom vision. Welcome to episode 18 of Partner Up, your church school partnership podcast. Each week, we bring you practical tips and inspirational stories to help you in your church school partnership. This week, we are talking with Steve Besner, who is a senior pastor at Houston Northwest Church. Houston Northwest is serving multiple schools in several different school districts, actually. But one thing that I really love about this church is their philosophy of empowering every single member of their congregation to be a light in their respective domains. I'll let Steve explain further, but I really look forward to sharing this philosophy with all of you today. So join me as we talk with Steve. All right, Steve, the first question I want to ask is, what do you love about Houston? I have always lived in Texas, so that's sort of a a boring part about my life. But I think that the part of Houston that I like, and the thing that's really interesting is that it's really different from the rest of Texas, specifically on two fronts. One, the diversity. I know we tout the fact that we're the most diverse city in the United States. And as someone who grew up in an area that was not diverse at all, it has been a lot of fun for me to learn about the world in my city. And then if I get to cheat and give one other thing, I think it would be I'm a foodie and the food scene in Houston is so ridiculous. It's so great. I didn't know that whenever we were moving here that it was that good. So anyway, I mean, I don't, I don't it maybe one semi-deep reason, one pretty shallow reason, but th- those are some of the things I love about Houston. Cool. Love it. How long have you been in Houston now? Yeah, we moved here in January of 2013, so we just uh, celebrated seven years in the city. Okay. That's, wow. Actually, my husband and I moved to Houston in January of 2013 also. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Awesome. And what was it that brought you here to Houston Northwest? The, the short version is God. Um, I think that the long story was that we had planted a church in southwest Fort Worth, and we had no plans to leave that church. We were very happy. We had actually just reached the point as a congregation where we were pretty much at a place of financial self-sustainability, which in church plant world is a major yeah. milestone. I had been bivocational, and so we were pretty excited about that. And then uh, this church was looking for a pastor, and they got my name. They reached out to me, and way too long to share on this podcast, but basically we prayed a lot, and God just made it so clear that if we did not come to Houston, we were being disobedient. And so since we're people of faith, and we said, okay, we're going to go. And so we moved, and it's been it's been a great move for our family. We love this city. We love this church. It's been It's been great. Are there similarities and differences between what you're doing in the Dallas area versus what you're doing here? Well, I mean, so philosophically, it's Mm. the same, but on a much larger scale here in Houston. So the church that we had planted in Fort Worth, I think whenever we left was running about 100 people would kind of be our sphere of influence. 
that, you know, I don't know, average attendance would probably be closer to 80. We'd have, you know, maybe 100, maybe a few more folks in our orbit. Um, an average Sunday here at Houston Northwest is more like 1,800 uh, orbit of maybe, you know, 2,500, 3,000. So it's different. But the thing that um, the church wanted to do, Houston Northwest, whenever I came, was they, they liked the philosophy of what we were doing in Fort Worth. We use the terminology of engaging the domains of society, which is pretty technical, but basically just means finding ways to serve your neighbors in ways that bring value to the city, in ways that bring value to them. And in doing so, then you get to make what we say here is we make Houston more like heaven. And so that's what we're trying to do through serving in the city. And through that, then obviously we're people of faith. We want to tell people about Jesus through that. But uh, there's lots of times that we serve and people know that we're Christians. We don't ever tell them the gospel verbally, uh, but we still think it's valuable to serve because we think that serving is not something simply to convert people, but we think that we serve because we've been converted. God has first loved us. And so that's what we're trying to do. Very cool. Um, so yeah, definitely a different scale here in Houston. Yes, definitely. <laughs> but it's cool that the philosophy has stayed the same. And so can you say that again? It was the, something about the domains. Yeah. So um, we, we call it engaging the domains engaging of society. Domains. Mm-hmm. So um, there's a, a an article in a Harvard Business Review Journal from uh, the 90s, I believe, where basically anthropologists who have studied the way that society is mapped out has noted that whether this is society in, you know, ancient uh, Far East, uh, ancient Near East, whether, you know, wherever they studied these from then up until modern times, that society's always been basically broken out into these eight basic domains. And so they break them down, business, uh, governance, um, science and technology, education is always one of those domains, arts and education, healthcare. And so all of the, the small jobs that we all do essentially can fall under one of these larger categories. And so uh, we took that as a philosophy as a church, both in Fort Worth and now here, to say, if this is how God seems to have designed society to work, Your church doesn't have to get very large before you have people represented in every domain. And so we decided, rather than us always focusing on bringing people to the church, then let's try and bring the church into society, engage these domains. So that doesn't mean that we're going in, you know, preaching a revival, but it's like, um, you know, let's find a way to serve in the education system. Let's find a way to serve in the business system. And so we're always challenging our church members God's put you where he's put you for a reason. Um, If you're an engineer, if you're an accountant, if you're a teacher, if you're a waiter, if you're a delivery man, wherever God has put you, he's put you there on purpose. So do excellent work because excellent work is for the flourishing of the city. Uh, Jeremiah talks about the the flourishing of the city, but then also not just uh, the flourishing of the city, but then if you find a way to help bring Jesus's kingdom philosophy into wherever you are. So when Jesus would come preaching... Um, his first sermon, you know, everybody wishes that my sermons were one sentence, you know, re- <laughs> re- repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And so he basically said, this kingdom that God is ushering in, you don't have to wait until you die to receive it. You can, it's at hand. You can, you can enjoy it right now. You can live. So in other words, with the gospel of Jesus Christ in your hearts, once you understand that Jesus died for you, that you've been given new life through his resurrection, the spirit, you can live the life that God wants you to have in heaven 
right now. So I don't have to wait until I, I die to experience heaven. I can I can live the heavenly life today. So that's why as a church, we're always saying that our mission is to make Houston more like heaven. Every time we go into our workplace, every time that we decide that you know, we're going to engage in our neighborhood, our family, our coffee shop, our gym, wherever we're going, we're always thinking, how can I do this in a way that would be as if I was already in heaven? So that's kind of our philosophy. That's what we teach. And um, yeah, it's led to a lot of unique opportunities in the city, um, just because we we talk to people that a lot of churches wouldn't think to talk to, and we end up partnering with people that a lot of churches wouldn't think to partner with. And as a result, we end up getting opportunities that are pretty unique, and it's it's always an adventure. I really like it. That's really cool. Um, what are some things that you do to empower or equip your people to do this in each of these separate domains? Mm, yeah, that's good. Our process here, we have what we uh, just kind of four steps. We say, know Jesus, join a group, serve on a team, engage your world. So the first part, understand you know who Jesus is, how he's made you. We say join a group. It's it's a pretty standard practice in churches. You know, join a Bible study, you know, have friends that you can grow in the faith with, that kind of stuff. Serve on a team. We think everybody should serve. But the engage your world, when we say that, we have trainings where we have um, some classes where people go to learn about what it means to be kingdom-minded. Um, we have some classes that we we teach folks that talk about how to have spiritual conversations because we know that any time that you serve without any strings attached, there will always be some people who are curious and say, why in the world are you doing this? What's this about? So we'll tell them when that happens about who Jesus is. And we just want them to feel comfortable. And we let everybody know, and when we're serving, you'll probably have opportunity to to share why it is that you're doing these things. And so we want them to have verbiage. We want them to be comfortable. They'll do that. But we also then, we know that a lot of people work in the same office for 30, 40 years. Their company has a very strict policy. You know, you can't talk about faith. And so we want to give them a, a handle to hold on to as well. So we talk about having a kingdom vision for your business, for your office. And so that's about excellence in work. Whatever you do, do as unto the Lord, Colossians 3.23. We also then talk about the fact that you might be the only pastor that many of these people have. And so many of the people in our church end up being unofficial pastors in a lot of different ways. If people you know, find out that there's difficulty in their family or they've got a cancer diagnosis or whatever, they come by the cubicle, they come by the office, hey, would you pray for me? Um, you know, I know that you're a, a person of faith. What part of the Bible should I read about this? I don't live where you live, but can you tell me about a church that I could go to in my part of town? So we just try to encourage our people that even though they may never get to share the gospel explicitly where they work, that if they live their faith in a way that everyone knows that they're a believer and they have that kingdom vision and they do excellent work, they will earn the right over time to love those folks and to pastor them in, in a way that might be a little bit surprising. That's really cool. I really like that model a lot. Um, well, thanks. <laughs> um, I feel like so often um, churches feel like they're the ones who have to bring people to them right. um, instead of empowering their people to go out, which seems to be so much more effective because it's like one pastor versus however many hundreds or thousands of right. people who can, you can empower to go out into the community. So don't get me wrong. We do, you know we do plenty of stuff here. We've got great stuff for Sunday mornings and great stuff for kids and stuff during the week and students and 
lots of Bible study opportunities, et cetera, et cetera. But what I'll tell my people all the time is I'll say, you will have an opportunity to impact people I'll never meet. You know things I'll never know. I would be a terrible engineer. I would be a terrible accountant. (laughs) I mean, I would be terrible at that. So I tell them, God has put you where he's put you for a reason, to be his voice, to be his ambassador. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, you know, ambassadors kind of concept. So God puts you there. He gave you that gift intentionally to bring flourishing, to bring reconciliation, but then also to bring a kingdom vision. This is what I find. In a city like Houston, at the very best, 20% of the population is Christian, and that's probably optimistic. Um, I think that a lot of folks who have been around church are very jaded towards people of faith, particularly because of some of the hucksters that are on television always asking for money and, you know, this kind of stuff. So I think that whenever we show up and we serve and we love and we have a just a great work ethic and we're willing to pray with people and serve them without any strings attached, whether they believe or not, then they say, yeah, I I like that, that version of Christianity. We'll have, we've had people say, we like the kind of Christian you are, you know, what, whatever that means. So it's kind of interesting. Wow, yeah, that is very interesting. And it's cool that you see your congregation not just as a homogenous, just people in the pews, but that each person is uniquely gifted by God with skills, resources, networks that they can then also use to advance the kingdom. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the things that we're always trying to help people talk through is to understand that, that very thing, Marilyn, you know, how has God made you? You know, one of the great things about our world is that people love their jobs, a lot of them at least, you know, I mean, I guess plenty (laughs) of people hate their jobs too, but a lot of people, they... They're fired up about their jobs. They're excited about it. And then they feel guilty because, you know, then they show up at church and it's like, you need to give more time to the church. And again, we have plenty of programs and opportunities here, but we want the men and the women in our church to know if God has put you in a certain place, that's not wasted time. That's that's valuable. You should use that and, and redeem it. Um, another thing, um, this is just kind of a story that goes along with what I was talking about a few minutes ago. Um, we we have found that even people of other faiths, they seem to see when Christianity is genuine and when it's not. So after Hurricane Harvey, not just our church, tons of churches right in the community serving, but also our churches out in the neighborhood serving. And we ended up uh, doing mud out work in the home of a Muslim family. And so what was funny is another one of our church members was at Kroger and apparently ran into the wife from this uh, this family, and he didn't know, and he just went up to her and said, hey, I noticed you're here in, the, in Kroger. You're kind of buying some things. It kind of gave him context clues that maybe they'd been flooded. Do you need some help? We'll come by. And, you know, she didn't know who he was, and she said, no, these people from this great church, Houston Northwest, showed up. They helped us out. And, um, you know, I, I didn't know that Christians were like that, but if I knew that all Christians were like that, and these were her, her exact words, I think everybody would want to be a Christian. Mm. And so I just think that that's kind of the stories we try to tell our congregation, that, you know, the Muslim families, and uh, the Hindu families, uh, the families that are non-believing, whenever we serve and whenever we love, they may not choose to embrace it. You know, they, plenty of people think it's for suckers or a fairy tale, but they can appreciate when people add value to the city. I think that's why Jeremiah, you know, had that that exhortation to the people in Jeremiah chapter 29, seek the welfare of the city, plant gardens, raise families and that kind of stuff. So 
that's what we're trying to do. Seek the welfare of the city, do so through serving, and in doing so, we think that lets people know who Jesus really is. It's not the folks that are on TV necessarily. It's the the people, everyday people, just trying to make communities better. Awesome. Very cool. We were talking a little bit ago before we started this podcast that you were one of the very first pastors I talked with when I joined Loving Houston, um, and you were one of the pastors who has been passionate about serving with schools, um, and I know that that was something that was with you back when mm-hmm. you were in the Fort Worth area, and then also you brought it here to Houston mm-hmm. Northwest. Can you explain how that came about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I served uh, for 10 years as an associate pastor in a small town in East Texas. And we we first saw school partnerships there. Um, Because the town was small, uh, church had a lot of influence in the way that that the town operated. And so we had kind of a tutoring program that we instituted. And it was through a a nationwide organization called Kids Hope USA. And, you know, I think that you guys work with Kids Hope and Mm -hmm. just saw some great things through that. And my wife... Um, she and I've been married now almost 21 years. She's currently an elementary principal, but before that, she was a teacher, you know, for 15 years before she became an administrator. And because of those things, she would come home and talk about not just education, but everybody who has a relationship with a teacher knows this. Teachers will certainly be frustrated or complain about things, but man, they love their kids. And when they see a child that is in a bad situation. They're just heartbroken. In our public schools, there's just so many kids that are great kids with brilliant minds and pure hearts, and they don't get the sort of support that they need at home. And the crazy thing, I I should know this statistic exactly, but I think that it is if a child can't read on grade level by third or fourth grade, then they are at a... You, Four you know, times more likely to drop out. There mm-hmm. you go. There yep. you go. And then even end up in prison and you know just all kinds of things. And so we recognized if we want to make our city better, then we've got to engage and invest in the local schools. And it does, you know, people will say things like, well, you know, I pay my taxes and, you know, that's their job. We'll let them handle it. But the truth of the matter is, is if anybody has been part of any public organization or nonprofit work, there's never enough money and there's never enough help. And so we decided then that we would do that. Well, we saw real change happen in some families through that. And so I was just convinced of it. And that was probably, gosh, now at this point, it's been maybe 12 or 13 years ago. And so whenever we planted in Fort Worth, our church met in a school. So we just immediately adopted that school, did mentoring, serving. Uh, We started taking you know, sonic drink orders from the teachers and we'd take them drinks and we would help clean up after events and we would go and do mentoring with the kids. And then whenever we got to Houston, um, our church sits right at the intersection of three pretty large Houston area school districts, uh, SciFair, which I, I know it's one of the top two or three in the, mm-hmm. in the state, mm-hmm. Klein and Tomball. I think that a lot of churches have educators that are part of them. I think there's something about the heart of an educator that's definitely drawn to faith. And we decided that we would start partnering and mentoring. And so we did that through Kids Hope. We've done that through Loving Houston. It's It's been great. What are the different types of things that you all do with some of these schools? Yeah. Well, it's changed a little bit over the years, but we have done everything from tutoring. That is a thing that I think a lot of 
our church people thought that we would do initially was focus on academics. And what we began to realize was that most of the time, academics wasn't really what was the primary need. So now I think the language we use is more buddy instead of tutoring. Sometimes, you know, we're, we're reading and we're focusing on academics, but a lot of these kids, home is either an unstable environment or home is uh, maybe a healthy environment, but doesn't have the resources they need. And so they've just found that if there's a stable person in their life who gives just another kind of guiding force that, that it's kind of, I don't know how to explain it, but it's like having another voice that confirms the things that mom and dad are saying and their teacher are saying just helps push them in the right direction. And so, um, yeah, we, uh, one of the neighborhood schools was labeled uh, a school where they wanted to send high-risk kids. And so we started working at that school. Um, another school had a lot of uh, disproportionate ratio of under-resourced kids, so we were helping there. And eventually we've just kind of gotten to the point where we've just freed our people to serve in whatever school is in their neighborhood after they get trained and they kind of know what they're doing as long as the administration wants to come on board with that. So I guess that's a long way of saying we do tutoring, we do uh, mentoring, we do buddies, we do academics, we do cleanup. We kind of do whatever the school needs and, and, and whatever the kids need. Very cool. Um, sometimes when we go to a church, it feels like serving a school or partnering with a school is just another program. Like, mm-hmm. how do you make it a part of the DNA of your church to serve? I know you were talking about in empowering people in their own domains, but what, what does this look like? Like, yeah. how does it fit into the mission and sure. philosophy of your church? No, that's good. So whenever we talk about domains, kind of where I started earlier was with, with work, but domains are really where you live, work, or play. And so we try to tell our folks, wherever you live, wherever you work, and wherever you play, God's put you there. You have a vested interest in that place. The flourishing of that area is just as much your responsibility as it is anyone else's. And so your job is to be present as best you can. And so not everybody goes and mentors or volunteers in a school because they see other ways. You know, I know it sounds really crazy. Some people say, gosh, well, now that you say that, I have to run for the HOA board, or we've had those stories, or people who said, I feel like I've got to become a police officer now, you know, those kinds of things. But we definitely have people who, because of that, have said, I'm going to go serve in the area school because this school serves my neighborhood, my kids, my neighbor's kids, and I've got to make sure that it's as good as it can be. That makes sense. I like the idea that God's placed each of us in a particular place for a particular reason and looking around us to see how we can join God in what he's doing in yeah, each of these absolutely. places where, place, where he's placed us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, I think when you read the New Testament, um, whenever the church started in Jerusalem, I, I don't want to read into the text, but it feels like the church probably would have stayed put. You know, they were they were hanging out, they were having a lot of fun together, and then, you know, comes this persecution, and then they have to scatter. Hmm. And I almost feel like that's a good thing, and because then the gospel spreads and the kingdom spreads. And I think the same thing for the church. It's good that we gather Sundays, we get pumped up, you know, we see each other, we love each other, we high-five, we worship together, we read the Bible together, we pray for one another. Um, and, you know, and again, we have different points of connection during the week, but then we get released into the world, and we're all over this city. I've got people who work downtown, people who work out in the burbs, people who are mobile, you know, they drive all over the city, people in construction, you know, whatever they're doing. And so that gives them a way to think of themselves. You know, I'm 
I'm doing a great job today, but I'm also looking for a way to kind of have an opportunity to, to be God's representative wherever I am. And so, yeah, I think it's been empowering for our church. It's really helped them kind of think about life in a way that's more holistic. They don't have to just church on Sunday and then go about their week. That's awesome. That's something that I've been thinking a lot about is that mm. being a Christian, it's not just this intellectual concept that I believe that Jesus is the Son of God and my Savior and saving me from my sins, but I feel like the gospel and my life and identity as a Christian should be affecting every part of my life. Mm. So I love mm. the way you're explaining what that looks like, not mm. just a Sunday thing, but it's a Monday through Sunday yeah. thing. Um when you first arrived to now, have you seen changes in the congregation based on this empowering philosophy? So, yeah, kind of just thinking about where to start. So, I mean, and we could talk about maybe the different levels. So I, everybody, I think, gets it to a degree. Um, but we've got people now, you know, they're organizing their business around this idea. You know, they're starting businesses. Um, they're, they're trying to be intentionally impactful. It's been really great to think about. I think also, um, just like anything, you know, the domain language, when I first came here seven years ago, it was foreign. Now I hear people talking about, well, that's my domain. You know, this is what I do, et cetera. They get it. Um, we did a, um, a Bible study that we found. Uh, I don't remember who wrote it, but the title of it was Work is Worship. And we we, we put that into our curriculum. We, we talk about work on a regular basis. We regularly um, assess what domains our church is strong in. Our mission trips, quote-unquote, are actually uh, based around domain work. So when we go to, to Kenya, for example, um, we don't just go to do religious work. We don't just go, hey, let's go meet with this church and then go help what they're doing. We actually go and we assess the needs in the community where we're serving. And then we come back and we say, okay, we need some educators. We need some medical personnel. I need a couple of business folks. And this is what we're going to do while we're there. And so it's definitely non-traditional. Um, there's not a lot of sermon preaching, but there's a ton of faith conversations along the way. So whenever you go and you do a, a dentistry clinic, um, you end up having hundreds of people who probably wouldn't go to church who they need help with their teeth. And whenever you do a business workshop, a lot of folks show up uh, who wouldn't normally go to church. And whenever you do an education conference, teachers show up who wouldn't go to church. So all of these things happen, and then they begin to kind of get this realization, okay, these guys are Americans. Why did they come over here? What are they doing? What's this about? And the faith conversations begin, and it's, it's pretty fun. That's really cool. So I know we're, I love in Houston, we're focused on schools, but I'm kind of curious like what this looks like in some of the other domains mm -hmm. here in Houston. Well, I would say that, you know, schools are pretty, pretty developed um, in, and it's probably the easiest one for us to develop because everybody knows a school, et cetera. But I think that at a, at a local level, we then find construction has been pretty great because of I mean, unfortunately, because we're flooded a lot and we've got, you know, that kind of thing happening. And so those guys get to put their gifts to use. The medical field has been another thing where people can easily use their gifts to serve either nationally or locally and use that in faith conversations. In business, it's been um, interesting. Most businesses now have a pretty strict policy, so people aren't supposed to talk about faith. But more and more, 
I see men in our church who what they do is they try to do trainings that are centered around biblical principles. And so, you know, they take the idea of humility, they take the idea of service, and they embed that into trainings that they're doing at a corporate level. And then as they do that, and then people are curious and they want to find out more. And so all of that. Um, we've had a couple of artists in our church who um, have written songs and gone and performed those. And uh, I, I think basically it's kind of, it's probably way bigger than even what I just shared with you. It's just this sense that everybody kind of gets an idea, a notion, and then they they understand, oh, okay, I, I don't need to wait on the church's permission to do this. I see a possibility. I can go do this, and then they go do it. Love that. Um, so you mentioned, was it work and worship? What was mm-hmm. the worship and work? Work, work, work as worship. <laughs> work as worship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what are some other like curriculums, or do you guys develop it, or what are some of the things that you guys have well, used? Funny <laughs> you should ask there, Marilyn. <laughs> Perfect. No, yeah, yeah we, we have. We've been working on a curriculum uh, in-house, and if you want to get a copy of that, um, one of my, my staff members, team members, Galen Blom, has been working on this, and he's the one who really teaches it, you know, just talk about a God story. God had placed this idea in his heart before he came to Houston Northwest. He was here in the community, and then he, for whatever reason, visited one Sunday. I happened to be preaching on this, and he said, hey, we got to get coffee. We got coffee, and he's like, here's what I've been writing. And so, I mean, God had just sort of prepared that moment, and so he's been teaching this to our church and empowering people and just doing great, great stuff on that. Uh, Tim Keller wrote a great book called Every Good Endeavor, in which he tries to help people have a kingdom vision for work. The, The book that was probably most influential on me was a book by Bob Roberts that is called Real-Time Connections. And so in Real-Time Connections, he he gives a lot of just very practical stories. And uh, so, yeah, that book, we actually a couple of different times have bought hundreds of copies and just given out to members in the church because we want everybody to understand this this idea. So, it's yeah, it's been pretty great for us. Awesome. Thank you for those yeah. resources. Oh, yeah, That's you bet. That's very helpful. Well, thanks so much for what you're doing here yeah. at East Northwest. Thanks for your leadership. I really do love this philosophy of church and really empowering the people to to live out their faith through their work and through their lives and through their domains. Like it just it makes so much sense to me as a believer and as a Christian. I feel like it it's it's so holistic and just a really cool model and philosophy. So thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah, I think that We've divided it up for too long, and I think that some people intuitively figure it out, but I think there's so many people in so many churches that love the Lord, and if someone would just kind of show them, they would be a force of nature to be reckoned with, and uh, they just haven't had that guidance. And so, uh, yeah, I hope that some folks listen to this and they go, oh, I get it. So, yeah, that would be great. Well, thank you so much again for your leadership. Thank you, Marilyn. Thanks for joining me here on this podcast today. I'm so excited to... To let the world know about what you're doing here. (laughs) (laughs) Not the world. (laughs) Well, well, hey, whoever listens. (laughs) But I will say, I want to say thank you to what you guys are doing. Um, You you already know we're a believer of church school partnerships, but I think that, I'm not sure, maybe this is happening in other cities, but I love the fact that I live in a city where there is an organization that is trying to focus on all churches, working with all the schools in the greater area. That is in my mind, very unique. I don't know if you've run into other organizations like that, but the work you're doing, it makes a real difference, and I appreciate it. So thanks for doing that. 
There actually are several organizations all across the country that are doing this work of church school partnerships. If you're listening and you're in another city, we would love to connect you with an organization near you. For those of you in the Houston area, we would love to talk more with you if you are interested in starting a church school partnership or if you're interested in learning more ideas from others about how to do this work better. Contact us at info at lovinghouston.net or check us out online at lovinghouston.net. We hope you'll join us next week, but until then, we ask that you would subscribe, pass this on, or think about who else you can partner with.